This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life is hard sometimes, and there are many pathways in navigating the inevitable ups and downs of life. In riding these waves, I look to my yoga practice and also therapy. We all go through tough times like big life changes, periods of instability, conflict, or loss. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist entirely online, which is very convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Take the questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And if it's not the right match for you, no worries. You can change your therapist for no additional charge. Sometimes getting started in therapy is the hardest part. To make it a little bit easier, go to the link provided in the show notes or go to visit betterhelp.com slash yoga and podcast today to get 10% off your first month. Welcome to the Yoga and Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley, a yoga teacher and embodiment teacher here in Austin, Texas. I am curious about all things yoga and. Today we'll explore the subject of yoga and fear. I'm especially excited and so grateful to have Giaconda Parker on this episode. She is an amazing yoga teacher and one of my friends who has a depth of knowledge about all things yoga. We will be discussing all about yoga and fear. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode, y'all. All right, joining us on today's episode is yoga teacher for over two decades, somatic experiencing practitioner and teacher of other yoga teachers and world traveler, Gia Conda Parker. Welcome. Hi, Ashley. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so glad you're here. And I asked a little bit earlier how you were doing, but for the podcast, for the sake of the listeners, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, got home from India six days ago. And uh, so I have, I've sort of been in the traveling mayhem trying to, you know, Ooh. make it back and hunker down, but super grateful to have, you know, gotten on a flight and gotten home and gotten settled in. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm on a 14 day self quarantine just to be sure that, you know, that uh, things are safe for me and everybody else. And uh, so that's uh, requiring all of my good yoga practice put in, put uh. in place. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Is this day, this is day one of 14 or? No, I'm on day five. Day of, five. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How's it been going? Uh, well, a lot of the times it's great. You know, uh-huh. I, I actually read a book cover to cover. It's been probably a few years since I've read a novel, just a, mm-hmm. you know, a novel. Um, and for the most part, it's good. And then every once in a while, you know, I listen to something on the news or I have a conversation with somebody and, and I can just, you know, watch my anxiousness climb and then, you know, have to use everything that I know, all my resources to sort of, uh, you know, steady, steady, take a deep breath and be like, we don't know everything that's going to happen, but, um, but it can just stay present as much as possible. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's very true. Um, so today's topic, and you you had a wonderful idea to bring up um, about fear, yoga and free, fear is today's episode. And um, boy, what a thing to unpack at this, <laughs> this time of in the world. Um, where do we start with that? How do we even... <laughs> how would how would you begin that journey, uh, Giaconda, of talking about yoga and fear? Well, I would say, you know, I've been thinking about this quite a bit. And um, in the Yoga Sutras, um, there's um, there's a, a place that this is referenced. And and basically um, there is uh, there's a sutra that refers to what's called the kleshas and the kleshas are considered to be like the coverings over like a veil that covers over kind of our our true self our essential core being um and these kleshas are are listed um you know there's five of them and the first one is called avidya and so avidya is considered to be false knowledge. And so to sort of just make a distinction between that and not knowing, um, when we're in a state of avidya, it's not that we don't know, it's that what we think we know is incorrect, but we don't even know to question it. So mm. like we're, we're believing something to be true that is not true, but we don't even know to question whether or not it's true so we're just operating under a false assumption and uh you know one of my teachers desica char tkv desica char um you know when he writes about it he says it's you know it's one state removed from ignorance because when we're in ignorance we just don't know um but when avidya takes hold it's we're absolutely convinced of something that is not accurate and we don't even know to question it. And um, mm. to, me, to me, one of the things that's so great about having the yoga sutras and being able to reference them is even though they were, you know, sort of compiled and written down a long time ago, like being human is still being human. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, yeah. Right. And so we, we can all think of times when we were absolutely convinced of something and it later came to light that the thing we were absolutely convinced of was not true and not accurate um, or not the full perspective um, on the situation and what was going on. You know, when you sort of continue and uh, to read and sort of study what comes next, there are sort of it says Avidya is the parent and there are four children. Um, and the first children is asmita, which is basically like ego. And if you want to like boil that down for me these days, um, the way I'm looking at that is just this belief that I'm separate, you know, mm -hmm. that I'm alone. And it's kind of easier to feel separate because we literally are, you know, sheltering in place. And yeah. so even being, you know, physically distant from other people can start to feel like we have to face this challenge alone. Um, and, um, and that sense of separateness then tends to sort of spin into like my problems are bigger than anyone else's or different than everyone else's, or there's no one who really understands me or gets mm -hmm. me, um, you know, and so that's kind of like, the first struggle. Um, 
And then we have the next two that are kind of like a pair of opposites, which is attachment, you know, and I'm just watching that every day as like things that I had on my calendar that were planned, um, you know, oh, are yeah. either, you know, they're either happening virtually versus being together in person or they're just, you know, they're getting moved or canceled. And, you know, mm. that initial moment of like, no, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I can just feel that clenching and literally like the physical experience of whole, wanting something to stay the way that it is and just having to soften, you know, and let it go. And then the flip side of that, which is aversion, like the things that we don't want to happen. And, you know, I'm sure we can all relate to that right now of like, no, like that would be the worst possible thing that could happen, you know, like, yeah, oh, this is going to last for a week. Oh, no, this is going to last for a few weeks. Oh, wow. We really don't know how long it's going to last. And, you know, that that push um, trying to make it not be as it is. You know, mm -hmm. the version. And then the last one is fear, right? The last of the children is fear. And, and I always take comfort in the fact that the Yoga Sutra says that even the enlightened beings, you know, even the sages, as long as they are, you know, here in human form are going to experience fear. And um, so that makes me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> Strangely right? enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Like we're all in this together. We're all in the trenches. Exactly. I mean, and, and, yeah. and that's huge, you know, it's huge to realize like, uh, like I, I just find that one of the most, oh, how do I say it? Just like one of my favorite things about the yoga practice, you know, is that there's room for everything. So you know, it's like, I can, I can be on my mat in a physical asana practice and be like super annoyed about mm -hmm. what we're doing, you know, mm -hmm. or chair pose. Like those two get me every time, you know, I'm in the pose, <laughs> doing the thing. Teachers like breathe and relax. And I'm like, you breathe and relax. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. don't want to be here right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I've yeah. experienced that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And yet there's something about the years of having done that, you know, just being like, okay, and now I'm observing my aversion to this post and I'm actually okay. And I can breathe and I can be here and I can go one layer deeper and realize like I'm really okay. Or sometimes I can say, you know what, I need to come out of this for a breath and then go back. Mm -hmm. It's like, it, you know, when it comes and, and so that's what I've been sort of doing lately and my approaching, you know, fear from this perspective of yoga of saying, oh yeah, a moment just happened. A conversation I just had really sparked something in me. I feel it physically because I feel clenched inside. Mm -hmm. Let me slow down for a minute and breathe and be with this. And even sometimes I need to like take a pen, write it down. What are all the things that are spinning in my head right now? Mm -hmm. Or just pause and go, what exactly was it about that conversation that got this going? 
right? I yeah, I've noticed that a lot. I'll have a I'll have a really good moment or a really good like couple hours or half of a day, and then I'll have a conversation with someone, and it'll trigger me um, about this pandemic, what's going on, and and it and I have to really think about why why am I freaking out now after talking to this person, and then I calm down. But it's interesting, like how conversations have been sparking me a lot lately too um, with people because everyone has different opinions. Um, anyway, it makes me feel better to know that you also understand <laughs> that. <laughs> right. I mean, well, you know, that's just it. It's like we we all do. And, mm -hmm. you know, the thing is, we all respond differently to fear when it comes up. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of that is related to sort of like our historical responses, you know, to fear and sort of how, uh, you know, how we were raised to respond and, and what are our sort of natural survival mechanisms, you know, and basically from like this nervous system perspective, we know that when we're in that like deeply triggered layer, you know, we have fight, fight or freeze. Mm -hmm. and, and so there's the physical way that that comes up, you know, which is like those of us who have the fight response that's going to clench our jaws, we're going to clench our fists, we're going to tighten up our muscles um, in our upper body. Um, and we're going to hold a lot of muscular tension and that's that fight response. And, you know, in a, you know, and that may come out as an argument, you know, that's kind of mm -hmm. like the, the fight response or we, we have the flight response, you know, like I'm going to run away. I'm going to, um, I'm going to avoid and leave this conversation. I'm, I'm going to, you know, and the flight response, a lot of times will be an increased heart rate and all the things it would take to run, you know, mm -hmm. um, and then there's freeze response, which is, you know, we just kind of like, just shut down, you know, yeah. and so, and, and knowing like what our response is, feeling it arise and making space for it, you know, and then it's like, what kind of and then figure out what kind of practice we need in that moment. And, you know, maybe you have time to like throw down a mat and do like a full yoga practice. Um, a lot of times you can't do that right in the middle of where you are, but it's like, okay, what do I need to do? Do I need to take a deep breath? Do I need to look around and see that everything's okay? Do I need to go outside? Do I need to pause the conversation? You know, mm -hmm. and I think, I mean, I think too, like if we can start practicing with each other that yoga of in the moment being able to say whoa 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 <laughs> yeah I, i'm getting a little triggered by like the conversation that we're having can we both pause for a moment and take a breath and just see like what's the trajectory and the direction that we're going and that's not always easy to do no that's a beautiful way to that's a beautiful way to state it which I wouldn't have thought of. So yeah, I, uh, I will use that next time. Oh, good. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know? I will try. I will try. It might feel really awkward. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that it's not, you know, there's, uh, you know, there, there's that, there's the one side of sort of what can happen with those of us who are um, you know, pursuing these practices of being more conscious and more aware um, 
you know, sometimes we want to sort of flee into that in the sense of like, well, you know, in the long run, everything will be okay. And we all just know, you know, that everything's going to be okay. Um, and, you know, this term spiritual bypass, we used to talk about. Oh my God. Yes. That's, that's what's been triggering me lately, actually. <laughs> well, that's good to know. I mean, to notice that. Because the thing is, like, there's not any, there's not wisdom in that. We do need to pay attention to what's happening right now. We do need to take responsible action for ourselves mm -hmm. and, and for the people around us. I mean, even, even if you believe that because you are vibrating at a higher level, you're not going to get sick, that's great. <sighs> But what about the people around you who maybe aren't vibrating at the level that you think that you're at? Like, like we have a level of responsibility to not just make choices for ourselves, but to make choices that take into account all living beings, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, Be responsible, take ownership. Yeah. Just because you're vibrating high doesn't mean you're being responsible and Yes, I, I completely agree with all that. That's right. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So be, you know, be wise. <laughs> be an um, adult. Be an adult. And at the same time, you know, I mean, part of a healthy immune system is to keep redirecting our attention um, towards things that, that calm us down keep redirecting our attention towards the things that help us to feel like joy in the midst of this challenge and to, you know, look at other humans with kindness rather than, than fear. Even if we are mm -hmm. keeping our six foot distance, you know, we can still yeah. wave. I mean, I went out this morning and, you know, I saw my neighbor across the way and we both kind of looked at each other and looked away because it's like, well, how are we doing this? And then what was really great is her little girl was like, hi. Oh. <laughs> and then I waved at her and then her mom waved at me. And we sort of like, like we cracked that, you know, the fear thing of like furtively looking away versus like, Hey, I'm going to keep my distance. You're keeping your distance. But by the way, we're neighbors and hi mm -hmm. hello i acknowledge you we're like we're still in the same human race together and uh yeah. i think was, that's also i mean not necessarily these people but in general in, in a general thing it's it's trust it's trusting in humanity trusting in the collective trusting that someone isn't going to you know try to come up and shake your hand not saying that these people were but um but in general i think it's it's a time for massive trust and I think that's you know it's you could either what is it fear or love and and you, you know I also think trust trust and love are very intertwined right now in that way yeah if I'm articulating that yeah it, it absolutely I love you saying that because that's what it really comes down to is also when we're in that like deep fear state one of the things that helps us come out of it is social engagement. Mm -hmm. Like eye contact, a smile, you know, the little girl waves. And then it just like, it broke the whole thing. And then everybody's like, all right, wait, we can still come out and wave at each other. And, you know, I, I love seeing this um, kind of natural resiliency that we've witnessed in like, um, like in, in France um, and in Italy where people are like, 
choosing to come out on their porches and wave. That's and beautiful. See, and see each other, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. Uh, I was uh, recently was uh, listening to this podcast. And one of the things that just struck me was this, he was a scientist, actually. He was just talking about sort of like the, like the realities of what we're facing um, and the potential like overwhelm of, <clears throat> of sort of medical system. And uh, the interviewer asked him, like, do you have any hope? And he paused and I was like, yes, yeah. You know, my car, like, there's always hope. <laughs> there's always hope, you know? Yeah. Uh, and what he did say is he said, you know, in these times, we have the opportunity to like rise above what we ever thought we were possible, capable of. Mm. Or we have the possibility of dropping far below what we ever expected of ourselves. And he said, you know, my greatest hope is that we all rise. And I was like, yes. That's yes. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful to hear him say that and to be like, oh, this is it. And I feel like, like in some ways, like people keep asking, like, how are you doing? You know, being at home, doing all these things. And like, I just feel like this is, this is what we've been training for. You know? that, that's exactly how I felt. I was like, I feel like for years I've been practicing to get to this point in my life where utilizing all the, all the skills, all the resources from yoga. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love the thing you did. You posted it. Uh, somatic. I'm not well-versed at the somatics, but you, you've talked about resourcing and I would love it if you wanted to share some of what you were talking about. Um, because it was, I thought it was really smart, really beautiful, really practical too, because it's intentional, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah so um, I'm a somatic experiencing practitioner, um, and that's a style of trauma therapy developed by Dr. Peter Levine. He's an amazing human. Um, and you can look up if y'all are interested, you can look up more information about this. But there are some really basic skills that, um, that just help us. And the first one is resourcing. And so, you know, one of the things that we lose access to when we sort of get into a state of fear is we lose access to our resources. We literally just forget about all these things that can help us. And um, so there's this awesome exercise that I really love to do um, resourcing. It's so simple. All you do is just take your hand and then trace your hand. And yes, if you did this in, in kindergarten, when you take your hand away, it'll look like a turkey. <laughs> Okay, yeah. turkey. But literally, then what you do is you write down um, in each one of the, your fingers and your thumbs like resources, um, and you have internal resources and external resources. You know, so for me, um, just being outside, just seeing nature, any kind of nature, it can be a big, beautiful tree, an awesome mountain, the ocean, or just like a, a tiny little bird in the yard, like doing its thing. But that's always a resource for me. Um, my person, you know, my best friend in the world. I don't even have to talk to her. All I have to do is think about the fact that she exists and loves me. And I'm like, okay, I'm safe. I got, you know, I've got my friend, you know, mm -hmm. uh, music, you know, whatever it is. But 
but when we have these resources and then we can remember them, you know, the reason you use your hand is you're like, you can count them off and you're like, okay, number one, can I, can't do that one right now. Number two. Okay. Think about that. Number ah, three, okay. Right. Number three. Yeah. Oh yes. I can right now put down everything I'm doing and go outside, walk for 15 minutes, shift my state and come back. Because once we feel resourced, then, then we uh, move from basically that lower part of our brain, right? We kind of move from the amygdala, which is the sort of fight, flight, or freeze. We move through the limbic brain, which is more of our emotional cycling and response. And eventually we get back up to our higher, our higher thinking brain. Um, and that's where our we have choices. That's where we have the capacity to get perspective on what's happening. The great, great thing about um, you know working with the somatic experiencing for all these years is um, there's basically just a few, and resourcing is the first one. The next one is called orienting, and 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 the idea is literally so animals. You know, when they come into a new space, you see the first thing they do is they look around, right? They kind of orient, and they or so they do. So, so you can either, uh, so what we like to train ourselves to do is to orient for safety. So in other words, um, like taking a moment to look around your environment and notice like, there's my front door. If I wanted to go out, it's right there. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Windows. But then beyond that, like I orient to like, when I'm looking right here, I have this really awesome art piece. Um, it's a female form of Ganesh, which I just discovered that there was even a female form of Ganesh. I love that. I had no idea. Yeah. And so, so if I let my attention rest on it for a moment and literally start to notice like the colors, it's a vibrant, vibrant painting. So like the orange skin, um, there's like blue sky the little mouse is yellow and adorable. <laughs> As I'm doing that, what I'm, what I'm literally doing is I'm orienting to something other than my internal felt experience. So it's good to be able to feel what's going on inside with ourselves, but it needs to be balanced with being aware of what's going on outside of outside. ourselves. Yeah. And so to orient um, first can just be to like look around and take in like the very basics of like, that's the exit door. Those are the windows. That's the ceiling. This is the floor. But, you know, if you take it a little further and you choose an item and literally describe it in detail, either out loud or to yourself, the process of doing that right? Shifts and pulls our attention outward so that then we have a bigger container because this is the thing is any experience that comes, as long as we can contain it, we can work with it. It's when it gets bigger than us that we feel overwhelmed. And so, yeah, so one that orienting is like to feel 
a bigger container and to recognize like everything around us as well as what's going on inside of us, you know? Um, mm-hmm. We can also use orienting to like feel our bones, feel our muscles, like, you know, like use your hands, feel your skin, like feel your skin boundary, feel your muscle boundary and feel your bones because like, mm-hmm. um, like emotions and sort of the activated state in our nervous system, that's in our viscera. So that's going to be in sort of like our core. And so, you know, if I can feel my shoulder blades and if I can feel my backbone and if I can feel my legs and what I'm sitting on, then all of a sudden I've got a container around what I'm feeling in my core. And once I have a container that's big enough, then I can process and work with what's happening inside. So orienting can be external or it can be internally specifically orienting to things like muscles and bones because they're steady and stable. They help us feel contained. I love that. Yeah. And you're not leaving the body. You're not going, jumping out of your body. No. Yeah. Not at all. Not at all. In fact, it's not that at all, but you are putting yourself in the greater container that you're in. And the thing Mm -hmm. is that like 99.9% of the fear we experience is not a response to a direct stimulus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's a story behind it. There's like this dialogue. What might happen? Like that Mm -hmm. story can go on forever. But if I orient and I look around in my immediate space, nothing is happening, you know? And so That's we so true. back to say, yes, it's possible. And there are things that are within my control that I can do to wisely prepare. And then beyond that, what I can also do is look around and say, sun's out. It's a beautiful day. I can either choose to recognize that it's a beautiful hump day Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Or I can go into the what if and, and really miss the entire day. So orienting is, you know, I mean, we say we have the sort of, you know, the language that says, you know, be present, Mm -hmm. but it's a skill to help us be present, you know? So, um, and then, you know, another one of the, the skills that we, that we work with is it's, some, it's called pendulation. And, and these are all just words that help us describe what we do naturally when we're feeling grounded and present mm. and steady. So pendulation, you might notice this happens naturally in a conversation. You know, you start talking with somebody about what's going on. And then somehow the conversation will just naturally shift to something that's positive. Oh, yeah. Right. If you think about it, like, you know, a lot of times, like if you have a friend and they're kind of going through something hard and they're, you start talking about it, they talk about it for a little while. And then there's just this moment where it sort of turns and the conversation turns to, oh yeah, but that vacation last month was really amazing, (laughs) you know? And so pendulation is just to shift, to recognize like that's enough of that kind of activation and it's time to like now shift to something else. And, you know, in particular, I think this is really important with like taking in sort of news media, like, oh yeah, you know, okay. I I do want to be informed. I do want to know what's happening. 
I want to choose my source of that wisely. And then I want to recognize when it's time to pendulate. So in other words, now it's time for me to walk away from that and, and, you know, do whatever other activity is there that's possible. You know, there's only so much we can take in, you know, and uh-huh. so titration is the other skill we talk about. So titration is taking in enough information. Um, and it's the same thing, like, doing enough of a yoga practice where we feel the energy shift, not practicing obsessively to the point where we're fatigued and we can't do the rest of the things throughout the day. Um, You know, taking in enough interaction with other people, those of us that are like taking lots of phone calls and helping people calm down and be steady. Like Mm -hmm. you have to titrate that with, then, you know, I have to say, no, that's enough. And I need to put the phone down. And I need to, I need to chant for a little while. You know, sometimes it's uh-huh. Monty and sometimes it's Kenny Rogers. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's just like, whatever it is, you know, every once in a while, it's a little nine inch nails. Cause you know, sometimes you get, get the edge off. You know? Oh yeah, you do. You have to take that edge off. So yeah. titration is, is the practice of, refilling your cup or balance more balancing what you're doing like like the output versus input is that what how you would yeah no so glad you asked because like those kind of got merged together so so titration is only taking in as much stimulation as is necessary in order like to get the energy going or to get energy moving and then um pendulation would be Now I'm going to move into towards one of my resources, you know, like, okay, I hung in there and I am taking in enough information to be informed and I'm making good plans for myself and I'm, you know, getting the supplies that I need. I'm, 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 I'm doing those things. And now that's enough energy in that direction. And you can kind of feel when you're kind of, you're at your edge, you're like, okay, that's enough for today. And Mm -hmm. now I'm going to pendulate. I'm going to deliberately shift my energy towards a book towards, um, you know, a happy hour, virtual FaceTime or or whatever it any, is. Any self-keeping Ex- practice exactly. that feels taking the nourishing. Dog for, yeah, taking the dog for a walk or, you know, petting your cat yeah. if you have one, you know, um, spending time with your loved ones. But that's also probably something that has to be titrated too for people who are in the house. Yes. Know, with, Stuck with other people a lot is to recognize like even you know even with somebody that you dearly love you know it can be helpful to be like okay (laughs) quiet time now yeah my cats are really tired of me I'm I'm happy but they're like they're over it they're like why don't you I think because I recently got a job they're very happy that I'm gone and they get to miss me now so (laughs) Cats have attitudes. That's how they all are. But I saw the funniest meme where like a cat was like, oh, what are you doing in my space all the time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they like no cat was expecting all this attention. And now that all cats have all this attention and <laughs> yeah, they don't know what to do. Um, well, okay. Fear. Is there anything I haven't asked you about yoga and fear that you wanted, would like me to ask you? Hmm. 
Let me think. Well, I would say this. I mean, what fear does physiologically for us, mm. you know, is like it basically it gets us ready to respond. And so the the physiology of that is that like our vision narrows, like literally we lose the peripheral vision because we're hyper focused on on something. Um, we, you know, our the digestion, all of that sort of goes offline because we're directly focused on taking action muscular rigidity you know the, the muscular the muscular system gets tight our jaw gets tight um and that's that kind of comes all the way back to sort of the animal response of growling um so if you think about it it's like you know it's all all, yeah. all of that all those things that happen and and so it does take a toll on our our organ systems because they basically like shut down and shift into, uh, you know, adrenals are, are heightened, all those things. And so specifically when we look at the practice of yoga um, and, and looking at fear, you know, if we're in a heightened state of rigidity, we probably need to do a more active style of practice first. To um, move that stress out, that flight or fight, that wanting to run, like right. get it out. Right. Yeah. You know, and there are studies that have shown that if somebody is feeling really anxious, telling them to calm down does not help. No. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't. So similarly, while like, like some folks might be like, oh, it's a good time for a restorative practice. It's like, well, yes, but not if you're overstimulated and mm-hmm. overactivated. And in fact, trying to go to stillness too quickly without doing something to move the energy um it's it you know could could be sort of counter effective so um so i think now is a really good time to be you know it doesn't mean that everybody needs to be out there doing like hardcore power yoga if that's your jam then great but um but you know some of the more like standing poses are amazing right now um uh literally you know just basic sun salutations or moon salutations because that's like getting your heart your breath to move and Mm. since the heart rate's heightened anyway actually doing physical movement that will catch up with that will then help you sort of get rid of that extra activation in the nervous system and then standing poses they make us feel stable and steady and strong and when we engage our muscles and literally like lock out the joints and of course I don't mean like hyperextend your legs and standing poses but I'm just saying you know like the, the hard work of of doing the physical practice of some good standing poses and and down dog and you know simple things like that like that is um, one of the orienting things. Like we're then reorienting to muscles and bones and shifting our attention from the viscera. So again, moving into the feeling strong and safe and steady in our bodies. And so I'm, I'm a big fan. I love restorative yoga and I love yin yoga, but I have been noticing that um, what feels really good to me is to do a rigorous practice first 
and then take that time to be steady and still. Well, that, I mean, that makes total sense to me because when you mentioned the breathing, like simple sun salutations to get the breath moving, for myself, I notice I just stop breathing. And when I'm scared, I just am like, uh, (laughs) or I'm really like, you're talking about the tunnel vision and focusing and all that. I'm, I'm like, that is me with the not breathing. And, um, and it makes sense like to move fear. You want to then obviously breathe or stress. You just want to breathe. And yeah. And quite frankly, I, of course, I also love restorative and yin as well, but I also notice shallow breathing all the time when I do that. When I practice, when I teach it, I notice the shallow breathing. And I mean, it's, I, I like what you're saying. It's both. It's not just do one only right now. Um, do the thing that you need the most. Um, but yeah, I've, I've noticed that lately is like the lack of breath. I feel like the, I feel like mother nature gets to breathe, but everyone else is like holding the breath right now. <laughs> oh, what's going to happen? Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, well, thank you, Gia. This has been really fun um, to have you and to, I just, I haven't talked to you in a really long time. I realized, and I miss talking to you. Yeah. It's great to hear yeah. your voice and thanks so much for doing this, you know, yeah. putting more, good information and positive vibes out into the world. I really appreciate you. Yeah. Uh, where can, where can we find you? On so the I'm on, internet? yeah, on the internet. I'm, uh, I'm online. It's G I O C O N D A Y O G A.com. Gioconda yoga.com. And I'm also on Instagram at Gioconda yoga and I'm on Facebook. Same at Gioconda yoga. Can, and this, all this will be in the show notes. So you can check it out um, through the show notes. Great. Um, well, thanks for coming on the show and I'd love to have you back again. So sounds good, Ashley. So good to see you. So good to see you too. <laughs> That's all I have for today's episode about yoga and fear with the beautiful, awesome Giaconda Parker. If you liked what you heard, please share this episode or others with your friends. I would love to have Gia back on the podcast again as we have many more topics for discussion. If you would like to help the podcast, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. If you're looking for a free online yoga class, check out my YouTube channel, Ashley Weber Yoga, or my website, Ashley Weber Yoga. And the links are in the show notes. If you want to connect with the podcast directly, you can email us at yogaandpodcast at gmail.com. The and is spelled out, Y-O-G-A-A-N-D podcast at gmail. If you want to follow us on Instagram, it's yoga and podcast. Please let me know if you have any specific topics for shows in the future. See you next week.